If you are married or have been married or if you have had a close friend or even if you've been in a business partnership in which you had the task of aligning your wills with another, your will with the will of another person, you will know that sometimes this is a struggle. I know when selecting an ice cream flavor, I can never come to uh, align my will with the will of my wife who likes fruity stuff because I am a solely chocolate and peanut butter kind of guy. But in all seriousness, you know that sometimes for your will to align with the will of someone, a partner of some sort, there has to be a lot of communication so that your desires and your intentions and your purposes can align. And I think that it's just this that St. Paul is speaking to us about today in our epistle in the letter to Timothy. Paul's child in the faith and a leader of the early church. Paul calls urgently for all kinds of prayer. He says, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Paul is saying, guys, we have got to be about the work of prayer and it has to be for everyone. It has to be for everyone in our community, everybody in the church, everybody. And he goes on to say, specifically, we need to pray for kings and all who are in high positions, speaking of government authorities in the Roman Empire, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. So why is he specifically singling out kings and government leaders? Paul understands that the Christian gospel does not always find favorable conditions in the empire in which to be preached because a different king and a different lord is being preached than Caesar. And so Paul says, we need to pray that there will be ways in our community of sharing and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has to start, he's saying our mission and our ministry has to start in prayer. We cannot do anything without starting in prayer. Supplications, asking God for specific things, interceding, intercessions, asking for God's work in other people's lives, and thanksgiving, thanking God for the, the opportunity to be his children and to proclaim his gospel to others. You see, we pray because prayer will uh, also, one thing that it does, enable us to live transformed lives in front of others that show that the gospel has transformed us. About a hundred years after Paul writes this letter, there was a bishop in the early church named Ignatius. He was a bishop of Antioch in the ancient Near East. And he is addressing a church group in Ephesus. We know Paul wrote a letter that went to the Ephesians, was one of the groups that Paul's letter went to. This is a little bit later on in the church, and this is Ignatius' letter to the Ephesians. And he says this, and he carries out this idea. And he says, echoing Paul, pray continually for the rest of humankind that they may find God, for there is in them hope for repentance. Therefore, allow them to be instructed by your deeds. In response to their anger, be gentle. In response to their boasts, be humble. In response to their slander, offer prayers. In response to their errors, be steadfast in faith. In response to their cruelty, 
be hospitable. You see, prayer brings others to Christ. It advances the mission of the church by shaping how we live. And this is the other thing that prayer does. It aligns our wills with God's will. It aligns our desires with God's desires. What husband can share the desires of his wife and her needs and come to an agreement on things that doesn't spend time communicating with her? What friend can know the needs and the desires of another friend without spending time communicating? So also it goes with God's church and God's people. How can we know God's desires for the world and for our lives and for the mission of his church without spending time communicating with God, placing ourselves in his presence to listen, to listen, and to hear what God wants us to do. So then we have to ask the question, what exactly does God desire? What does God desire? I have to know that if I seek him in prayer to align my will with his. And Paul goes on to say, he says, pray for everyone, and then he says, this is right and is acceptable. Another translation of that word could be pleasurable or pleasing. Uh, it is pleasing to God, in God's sight, our prayers. This is right and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God desires everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. How often do we forget that reality? God desires everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I know that I forget it, and I know that my desire doesn't always line up with God's in that. God's heartbeat is that everyone should come to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. Is ours the same? Do we share that desire and it is through prayer that that will come about in us god give us a holy desire for what you desire the reconciliation of your children who are lost with you this missionary motivation in the church's prayer naturally leads paul to remind us of something that is absolutely crucial. What's this all about? How is this going to work? God's desire for everyone to be saved. And so Paul goes on and he says this, for there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind. One mediator, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all, for all. You see, Paul connects prayer to mission to the cross. Prayer, mission, and cross. Paul sees everything through the lens of the cross and what the cross means for humanity, what the cross tells us about who Jesus is, what the cross tells us about the Father's love, and what the cross tells us about our own mission. And so Paul says... Pray for everyone because God desires everyone to be saved. And if you want to have God's desires, you need to be in communication with him about that. And if you want to be empowered by God to carry that out, 
prayer is the way he has ordained you to begin in that work. Jesus is the one mediator. And Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. And Jesus calls this certain group to the task of continuing his ministry on earth. It's all in the book of Acts. We're going to be getting into that in our Bible studies. And you know what that tells us? God's plan to continue his redeeming work of the cross in the world, God's plan is us. God's plan is us. And so for us to carry out that plan and to carry out God's desires... Our communication with God must be deep and it must be constant and it must be fervent and earnest because he will reveal to us his will for our mission. Our mission as individuals and the vocations he's called us to and our mission together as a church to shine the light of Christ in this community. We cannot start new strategies of outreach and new techniques and new ways of reaching out into the community without first starting in prayer and discerning God's will for what that should look like us look like for us specifically as a group for the church to get caught up into God's plan of redeeming humankind for us to really be caught up in God's purposes we start with prayer As I mentioned, we are studying the book of Acts, many of us, in different Bible study groups. And if you haven't been plugged into one of those groups yet, please, I encourage you uh, to do so. It is already the first week, an amazing time of fellowship. And um, in the intimacy of a smaller groups, there really is a a sort of powerful, prayerful spirit in which we grow together um, in the Lord. But we're studying Acts. And Acts is a narrative of the birth of the early church and the spread of the, the initial spread of the gospel throughout the ancient world. And what you find when you read Acts is you find the power of prayer at work. As I was going through my study and doing my homework with our little Acts booklet, I noticed uh, this week that immediately after we we're told about the ascension of Jesus, when he tells uh, his disciples to wait because they're going to receive power and then they're going to be sent out. Luke tells us, he names all of the apostles, and he says they're gathered together. And then he says this, and these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. This was the first reaction to this confusing, probably perplexing event where Jesus ascends to be back with his father the first thing that the apostles do is they gather and commit themselves to prayer, not knowing what is going to happen. Most of them going to suffer and die deaths under persecution for the sake of the gospel. They gather together in prayer, in constant prayer. And as you go on in the book of Acts, you see the power of prayer undergirding everything that has happened. Christ on the road to Damascus Luke tells us that he goes into a three-day period of prayer and fasting, seeking the Lord's will. In chapter 12, Peter is imprisoned by the empire's authorities for preaching the gospel in public, and he is shackled and chained. And he's asleep in prison. 
and there's some humor to the way that the story is told because we're told that an angel appears and tells Peter, get up, we have to go. And it says that Peter thought that he was dreaming. How could this be? Because his shackles fell off and everybody around him, the guards and the inmates, stayed asleep. And so the angel leads him out and the gates open and they go. And when Peter gets back to his community, Luke tells us that they had been in earnest prayer through the night. They had been in earnest prayer because their beloved apostle had been imprisoned. Their beloved leader had been imprisoned. They were in earnest prayer and the power of God released him as another moving piece of moving the proclamation of the gospel forward into the world. So I want to ask this question. What would happen if we, as a local church body, committed ourselves to earnest prayer? Not just prayer on the weekends when we're together in a large group, but prayer in our small group Bible study fellowships. Prayer at noonday on Wednesdays at the church in which we always pray for the world and the community. Prayers at home with our families and as individuals. What would happen if we all began to earnestly pray and to cry out for God to do things in this community and among us in our church? What would happen? I just want to pose that question. What is God waiting to do through us? We only have one way of finding out. We only have one way to find out. I want to close with a a collect, a prayer that comes from our Book of Common Prayer. It was written by um, an old bishop from the Philippines. And I think it hits precisely on the point that Paul is making about uh, proclamation and desiring what God desires based on what God did when God gave all of God on the cross for his people. So as you bow your head and close your eyes, uh, just let this prayer wash over you and uh, sink into your heart. Make it your own. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name.